Uh, if you've ever thought about recording a podcast, Anchor is the best way to do that. We use that for Boats and Does here. Uh, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. Uh, Anchor has the tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or on your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on all the listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. So if you've ever thought about it, download the Anchor app and go or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Boats and Does podcast. My name is Brandon Whitley. I'm here with Ben, and we have a special guest with us today. So we brought our buddy Andrew on um, from Athala Rodworks. Did I get that right? So, um, long story short, Andrew is a uh, Coast Guard captain, he is a rod builder, he is a ex-swim baiter, or current swim baiter, he's currently slightly removed from the swim bait industry, I guess. He doesn't swim bait as much as he did in California. Um, so yeah, um, Andrew, I guess to start, how'd you get into rod building? Uh, <clears throat> so my grandpa was always into custom rods when I was a little kid and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, then when I graduated college and I actually had a little money in my pocket, I, uh, started ordering rods from a amazing shop in Southern California called Performance Tackle. Yeah, they're pretty famous or something, right? Yeah, somewhat. <laughs> uh, Mark, the owner, one of the nicest guys I could ever meet. Um, just all around great guy, knows everything there is to know about rod building. And uh, just kind of went from there, you know. Um, fast forward a few years, uh, I moved from the West Coast out here to Charlotte and uh, needed a big boy job, or needed a job. Well, I looked for a big boy job and wound up working at a tackle shop where I uh, met you, learned yeah. how to build rods. Yeah, you took my job as a rod builder because I was leaving. Yeah. understand why you left. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty quick learning curve for me because – um, back when I was in California, I was working on tugboats and I worked two weeks on two weeks off and I pretty much lived at the back of the shop of performance. I'd bring those dudes lunch and just hang out and watch the guy, Tommy back there, build the rods. And, um, so I already kind of knew what I was doing to an extent, you know, you had I, a lot more exposure to it than I did when I was asked to, Hey, learn how to build rods. Right. And I will say, I think in Southern California, the saltwater scene, there's more custom rod building going on there than probably anywhere else in the country. Like there's just in the orange County and LA County area alone, there's probably 20 or so shops that build custom rods alone. Yeah, for sure. What's well, I, I, uh, I, Andrew introduced me to it. Uh, I've always thought it was, it was cool. I'm real, really big into woodworking. Um, and I always thought that it'd be cool to make one. Um, and I've watched videos on it before, but they were doing it all from wood. Um, and then Andrew was like, man, come on down here. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a process and you get the process down. It, it gets much more simple. Um, so I ended up, uh, helping build a rod for my little sister. Uh, and it was just a really cool experience to, to see how it's done. And the rod's great. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I took it and fished it before she did. <laughs> 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 um, 
but it, it's very responsive. It's very light. Uh, it's just really cool to be able to customize a rod to your exact liking. And um, <clears throat> she has yet to catch a fish on it. Um, well, yeah, she's, change she's that. in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's in college. <laughs> um, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get that uh, knocked off and uh, we can take the wrapper off the handle. So, <laughs> so, what, so what would uh, custom rod builder Andrew have to say about, like, what makes a custom rod different? I mean, the biggest thing I'm going to say right off the bat is rod, rod blanks have what's called a spline, and basically that denotes where the guides go. So on a spinning rod or a fly rod, they go on the bottom. On the casting rod, they go on the top. And uh, essentially what happens is you pick up a rod and you put the butt in the ground, put your hand up, you know, two-thirds of the way or so up further than that, and put a bend in it, it'll kind of almost click into a certain position, and that's where the spine is. If you walk into a tackle shop, and you pick up a lot of rods, especially lower-end rods, you'll notice they're not splined correctly. They, they actually don't cast well. Um, and you'll feel that no matter what. It's especially important in fly fishing, the way you load up a fly rod, though, um, with false casting and stuff. And also because fly rods are so much lighter. But, I mean, with any rod, you'll feel it. You know, especially when you look at heavier saltwater rods and stuff, you'll feel there's a lot of side-to-side torque rather than straight up and down power. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, a lot of rods tend to break on hook set is because they want to twist in your hand and you're trying to hold them straight. So the the graphite is spun clockwise, counterclockwise, and different. Um, so when you go to set the hook, it wants to twist in your hand, so it ends up unwinding that graphite material and how it's constructed. Um, so I think that's one of the big things. The other thing, I think, is you get to choose a lot of high-quality components, right? Yeah, and I mean, a lot of factory rods off the shelf have really cheap components, even some of the mid-range to nicer stuff, you know. Um, I know you could attest to, I built you a pile of rods at this point. You know how many rods I have of my own that I've built? It's like <laughs> it's just, just stacks of them. The, even like, a, I'll take one, and I'm not saying this to sound arrogant, but I'll take one of my mid-range customs over a higher-end rod because I know it's built right and the components are right, and there's quite a few people that agree with me on that since. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think you get to really get what you want. So I've got a question for you. <clears throat> What's the closest thing to a custom rod you've met or you've you've held from a manufacturer? Probably just higher end stuff in general. Okay. Um, aside from that, if I had to start looking at brands, I would say some of the SoCal saltwater rods, CalStar Seeker, um, United Composites maybe. I don't know. I haven't really messed with their stuff, but those are also smaller brands, you know. Um okay. Beyond that, probably the higher-end JDM companies like Megabass, Evergreen. Um, all those guys put out an amazing product. It's just you're paying for that. Right. Yeah, um, I have a – is it Jackson, um, the fly rod company? I can't remember which mm. one it is. I think it's Jackson. That or uh, isn't oh, – what's the other one? Hardy, Thomas and Thomas. Thomas and Thomas. I think it's Jackson. Okay. Um, I got a three-weight. And the closest thing I felt as far as response, uh, like this, my sister's rod, because that was a five weight, I think we got her. But it's comparable, the action in it, because that's the way I wanted it. Uh, but, you know, Jackson Rod Company, that's an $800 rod. <laughs> right. And I think when we built out your sister's, you know, I, I didn't charge you or anything. And it was, I think you ended up paying 100 bucks for the blank, which you can even get blanks cheap, like yeah. good blanks, even cheaper than that. And I think you paid another thirty or forty bucks for the components. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's my big that's thing. Huge. Is. <laughs> yeah, and I I think like 
you know, you look at a large company, right? They have to make, gen- generically speaking, the the roundabout range is 100, 100% markup by the time oh, they, yeah. give or take, probably give, right? So we're probably talking 120% markup on, if not more, by the time they distribute it and, you know, brand it and all this stuff that they do to the rod. It's just like, you can go to a custom guy and it's the same way with buying local with flies and buying local with lures and all that stuff. Like you get a much higher quality product with, you know, buying, go meet your local rod builder. Well, the other thing is too, from your first fly rod, Andrew, to what you use now, you've done a lot of fly fishing. So how has that changed in that time? I mean, it's kind of a tough one. I just, you know, that, that first one I built was a cheaper blank, to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. Um, just buying the nicer blanks really was the big step there. I had the, the wrapping and stuff like that. I mean, you, you've seen all those other rods. I build everything kind of in a minimalist way, so the weight's way down and everything, too. That probably helps keep the rod actions a little truer to the blank, which, you know, we're not getting to handle a lot of blanks out here. There's not a lot of guys selling blanks which is another thing that i kind of miss about california if i wanted to try something out before i bought it i could go to a shop and probably find that blank i wanted to pull on and you know Mm -hmm. okay this is i like this i don't want this i want to go up a power i want to go down a power um so but more of like touch because have you figured out more of what you like as far as a fast tip or you know i did like a fast tip for sure um which is not purist at all but i like i don't know i like a fast tip with a hard spine on it yeah Especially for a heavier weight, it's like a five weight or something like that. Yeah, so you got to, next time we go, you got to fish the two latest rods I've built. Actually, all three of them the three weight, the five weight, the eight weight. Okay. They're all the same revelation, right? Nice. Rain shadow revelation blanks, very fast taper. You felt the five yep. weight in the eight weight, like or those. sorry, the five weight and the three weight. They're, they almost feel like bass rods. They're mm-hmm. very responsive. And then you, you, you spoke a little bit about, you know, the minimalistic design of your rods. Um, how do you think you differ from most custom rod builders? Because I think most custom rod builders are um, more decorative than functional. Yeah, and I mean, the big thing there is, let's face it, most custom rods are not bass rods or trout rods or fly rods. They're saltwater rods. And a lot of those saltwater rods, they have diamond wraps, they have tiger wraps, and that's all cool and fine. But I mean, like, I've seen them wrap hundred dollar bills into the into the wrappings. <laughs> just, I mean, the it's the excessive. saltwater the saltwater market is it's a different ball game. It's definitely a um, it's almost like you know the difference between new money and old money. Uh-huh. It's new money. It's new money. It's right. it's. I want to show you that I have money. Uh huh. That's what that's what saltwater game is. Okay. Yeah. Well, what, and all, what I like about the minimalist look is that it reminds me of like you go into an antique shop and find an old fly rod. You know, it's just classic. Um, it's got their name on it, and it does its job. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. But I think one thing he does, like Andrew does really well, is, you know, adding all that wrap and all that pretty stuff that people think they want on a custom rod mm-hmm. ends up making it way a lot more. Yep. And, like, I'm buying a custom rod for a premium product. Mm-hmm. Give or take, like, you can ask Andrew every time he wraps me a rod, I'm, he's like, what color do you want? I'm like, I don't Wrap yeah. it pink. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's my response every time. And it's like, I feel like a lot of that has to do with, I just like, I want a rod that's light. I want a rod that's responsive and I want the blank that I want and I want the components that I want. Mm-hmm. Like I want, I want it to last and I want it to work how I want it to work. I don't want, 
but I wanted to be wrapped with a diamond wrap or a spiral wrap or a, you know, yep. some sort of weave that weighs it down. Like it's, it's designed to be a work piece. I'm holding this thing in my hand for eight hours. So, I mean, what would you say some of your favorite builds are? We haven't gotten to use them, but those grouper rods I built were pretty badass. I would I mean, say that's my favorite custom rod you built me. We need to put that to use. Um, trying to think what else is up there. I actually just built what was the blank that you decided to give me. Um, that thrasher. I built this. I chopped it down to a seven foot three swim bait rod, which is kind of weird because you know swim bait rods aren't usually short. But around here, where we're fishing all docks. Yeah, no, it's that, actually really nice. I fished it almost all day on Saturday, and it was. It was all the money. What what weight you throwing on that? Uh, I was throwing a two and a half ounce glide bait. Oh, um, that's bigger than I thought it would handle, but it, rods rated a five ounces. So yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't throw five on it, but it certainly handles that sweet spot of probably two to three, which around here is you know that's all you need. Yeah. So you did that musky rod too. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, one. that was actually that probably is my favorite build. So. My good buddy Colin, uh, six-pack tackle, he's up in Asheville. He's a huge nerd like me. Um, we're into Lord of the Rings and stuff. <laughs> All of his rods are named have a Lord of the Ring uh, name to him. He's got so that that one actually does not have a Lord of the Rings name. It has a another huge nerd name. Uh, you know, Muskie are known as the River Wolf. We call that rod the Bone Crusher because. The largest wolf to ever exist was called the Bone Crushing Wolf. Nice. It was a 300-pound prehistoric wolf that crushed bones. So, <laughs> anyways, back to the rod. Um, I mean, that's a good name. It's a great name. I like it. I mean, and and it, it performed how you wanted it to. I mean, you know, he, he wanted a very special fly rod that he couldn't really find. So, basically, he wanted a fly rod to throw, you know – articulated 12 inch plus flies and those things weigh an ungodly amount of weight when they're all waterlogged i mean the one he was throwing i went with him that day was 14 inches i think or 15 inches and when that thing was water you know and that thing was fully wet it probably weighed eight or nine ounces and you're not you're not casting that it doesn't matter what you're doing you're not going to double haul that thing too well right you know and it's not a multi-piece rod situation there so that was the other big thing so with musky fishing it's all about uh not all about a big part of it that was figure eighting, you know, when that fish comes to the boat. Um, so the issue you see is he pointed this out to me. You look at a lot of the hardcore fly musky guys and they actually use electric tape on the joints of their rods hmm. where they connect because you start figure eighting and then you'll actually, you'll feel it vibrate in your hand. So those vibrations cause the joints to back out. And what happens, you know, when that, trophy musky of a lifetime that 50 inch or eats your fly and you gotta set the hook in the and you've got two joints of four yeah exactly so yeah so that rod was a one of a kind it was um it was a nine foot saltwater rod that's rated i think to six ounces um and it's got regular conventional guides on it because the fly line he used apparently chews through guides so we want a higher quality guide that handles abrasion resistance a little bit better I mean, I picked that thing up. I think I sent you guys the video of me casting that thing. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was pretty badass, actually, you know, because of the way you cast it. You water hauled it, so you basically just peeled off as much line as you wanted to cast. You dumped the fly, you know, in the water behind the boat and just kind of lobbed it forward, and you could shoot that thing three feet off the water and land it under a tree, which is perfect for what we have around here. The um, Yeah. I mean, the major musky water here is like the French broad, and you're not making a long cast. You're not double hauling. You're not 
you know, false casting. I mean, it's almost, it's not really purest fly fishing, as he would say, but that rod fits the niche perfectly. Well, I mean, from the videos, I saw the action on it was incredible. Um, and uh, I'd love to see it in action sometime. Yeah, and he's actually going to have me build another one. He's going to have me build uh, one power down, something he can throw musky flies, but also if he's, you know, fishing smallmouth on the Nola Chucky, too. Sweet. So. Yeah, so you've got that rod in at a place for retail, potentially? Yeah, uh, potentially with a few places up in the mountains. We'll see where that goes. Um, the only thing is it's so niche. I mean, there's not a ton of dudes that would like it. We'll see. The major market for that rod would be up, you know, towards Minnesota, Michigan, and stuff where they actually have a lot of muskie. Maybe we'll get there one day where guys around here want to buy it. There is a small following of musky fishermen up, you know, around Asheville. So, and they are avid about it. Oh, they are. Yeah. They, if they heard about like the latest, <laughs> yeah. greatest musky fly rod, I think they'd buy it, especially North Carolina made. Oh, yeah. for sure. So that brings me to you. What's your What's your goals for the the new business, Athala Rodworks? What's your What's your goals and intentions? And I mean, I'm not looking to get rich. I mean, you know, I have a good job. I make good money. My real world job, it's. But rod building is kind of therapeutic for me. I like doing it. And I really like putting out a good product that I build with my hands. That's a big deal for me. I really, I really take joy in making something solid. Um, I mean, that's not just that. I mean, you know, I love to cook. I love cooking for people. It's kind of the same thing. It's this joy of making something with my hands for other people. Um, seeing yeah, people catch sure. fish on my rods is, it's awesome. I mean, you know, the dude I had with me up in. Um, on the Davidson a few weeks ago, he's one of my jujitsu buddies, and I built him and his family a whole set of fly rods, and now they all fly fish, and watching him catch his first fish on dry fly is amazing. You know, my buddy Colin and I wrapped those musky rods for. I watched him catch a musky on a – I netted I netted a 45-inch range musky on a rod. I built them. You know, he, he built the bait. I built the rod. It was a pretty awesome experience to net yeah, that fish for him. The only thing y'all needed to build was the reel and the and the line, and you'd have had it set. Well, <laughs> I'm leave the reel to you with your machining <laughs> stuff. I remember, like, the first fly I ever tied and caught a fish on it, how excited I was. Yeah. But and I'm, on a rod and a fly that you tied, it just it's another level. Oh, I'll leave that to you, Ben. You can tie me some flies. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going gotta, down that damn rabbit gotta, hole. Hey, man, it's, it's springtime. That happens in the winter. Yeah, <laughs> it's fishing's too good right now. Yeah. That's, that's how, I mean, uh, painting lures. Like I, yeah. I remember the first mm-hmm. the first fish I caught on a lure I painted, and that was like next level. Yeah. Now, I screwed up a bunch of lures between starting and finishing, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think that's part of it, man. It's that learning process. Yeah. It's that being tied more to less. And and we love supporting local tackle shops. Don't get me wrong, but it's not being tied to a local tackle shop. It's you know, you and your buddies making what brings the fish in, and yeah, like, it gives you a lot of freedom to be creative, and it gives you a lot of freedom to make stuff that you want, and not that anybody else wants. Um, yeah. I know. I know. Like my first fly looked like a dang chopped up turkey leg <laughs> yeah. but you know call fish i mean my first my first couple lure paints look look and i've i've exposed you to the lure <laughs> yeah, paint yeah. world um and we're pretty good at it now like mm. we're if you, you tell me a pattern like i can figure I can out google some it. pictures yeah. and i can figure out pretty close to what what is going on same way with i'm sure you with flies so this brings me to next question. So we fly fish, we swim bait fish, we bass fish, offshore fish. We do all this stuff, right? We're all tied in some way, somehow. Um, 
What's your favorite market to make rods for? Well, I mean, the only market I really have here is uh, calling fishing muskie, you guys fishing trout, and a handful of <laughs> other dudes fishing bass. So it's pretty limited at this point. I yeah, mean, but I mean, like, if you had to keep making, or if you if you had business, to pick up, yeah, yeah, if you had to pick a market that you wanted to build rods for, probably bass. Part of that is from a business sense. I mean, bass fishing is so huge here. It's an easy market. Bass rods are super easy to build. You know, I can make. I mean, start to finish building a rod doesn't take that long if you count if you remove all the dry, the cure time on the very the two types of epoxy you use. I mean, you saw how fast I built your sister's fly yeah. rod. I mean, it's literally I can glue a handle one afternoon, the you know let it cure overnight. It doesn't need to cure overnight, but I do anyways because why not? You right. know, and then I can have that thing wrapped and drying by you know ten o'clock next morning and be mm-hmm. ready to fish the following day. So it's you know literally a day and a half start to finish almost. Yeah, I mean. I get, I get that. I think, from my perspective, it almost seems like you'd want to build rods that were like put to the test a little more, like just from from a passion standpoint, not a business standpoint. I mean, I think they do. My buddy Ken. I mean, you know Ken. Yep. That dude's on the water three days a week. He's fishing tournaments all the time. He's most of the rods on his deck are rods I built. Um, yeah, for sure. You know. Colin's got a pile of my rods. I mean, I think fish catching muskie is probably putting those things to the test. I mean, hell, not even catching the muskie, just fishing the baits that you're using for muskie. I mean, some of that that muskie fishing alone destroys your gear. I mean, ripping a freaking one pound rubber bait through the water, dudes break rods is just just fishing, not even hooking fish or snagging stuff. You know, so um, I know it gets put to the test there. And will extreme weather temperatures affect? cold i don't i'm sure it does i don't think it's extreme enough here though okay yeah i think i think the biggest thing that maybe damages rods from a weather aspect here is that people leave them on their boat deck yeah exactly yeah or just like outside Mm -hmm. yeah um uv light's not good for that i mean that uv light does build that break the material down long term and then so i have a rod being built uh the blank's supposed to be here in like a week Uh, a new fly rod okay a glass blank actually it's not it's not traditional glass though. So Gary Loomis, the legendary owner of G Loomis Rods, his I'm gonna I don't want to say new because it's not a new company. I think he came out with his new company after the no compete clause ended with Shimano back in 2010 or so, and he started North Fork Composites. Um, but I don't think a ton of people know about North Fork. Uh, they put no, out a really that's, great. That's G Loomis. That's that's Gary, Gary? Loomis's new company because okay. G Loomis is owned by Shimano. Shimano. It's been I mean and it's been owned by Shimano since probably yeah. 2002 or something at this point. Um, but they're you know domestic made blanks, really stellar product. They're beautiful, but they recently came out with a series called the Fast Glass. So it's they're glass blanks. They look like glass. They feel like glass. They don't weigh like glass. They don't weigh like glass, and their their action's a bit more crisp than glass. Um, still have that glass taper to a point, but it's... It's more like a moderate fast or a fast as opposed to what you used to get with gra- or glass, like the butter stick and yeah. all those, where yeah. it was like super <laughs> slow, moderate, slow moderate. It up. <laughs> yeah, so like I, I actually bought a swim bait blank. Um that's this fast glass material and only weighs seven ounces completed as a swim bait rod, which Dang. is incredible. I mean, that's like damn near regular graphite yeah. weight. So, um, the fact that it's glass, you know, it has that nice soft taper. It's pretty interesting. I haven't fished it yet. I might end up just selling it anyways, but it's, it's pretty sweet and they come in really cool colors. So Brandon got an eight foot five, uh, eight foot four weight and it's this beautiful 
kind of gray colored glass. It's almost almost transparent too. So I'm actually really excited to get that thing here. We're putting a carbon fiber handle on it. It's the thing. It's going to weigh nothing. It's going to be gorgeous. And we're going to wrap um, so you can actually get silk rod building thread. And when the epoxy cures on it, it actually turns translucent. So it looks like the guide's almost floating on the rod. It's pretty sweet. Cool. Yeah. And the um, I'm putting a hardy ultralight on it. Straight okay. Gucci. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be the nicest fly rod and reel combo I own. Um but what are your what are your upcoming goals with I guess do you do you have any rods in the works you want you want? Uh well I just started a new job, so uh you know when this commission check start hitting, man <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be it's some funny you uh, say that. I'm I'm off a week because my background check didn't come back <laughs> quick enough. Well, I'll be standing by for that order, Ben. Okay, all right. Sounds good. Uh, I'm thinking I don't know, man, uh probably like a four I mean I've got a five weight, I've got a three weight. Actually that Jackson busted right at the uh of course it did. The butt hilt. <laughs> um, so I might need a three weight. <laughs> Hell, but, there's that one. There's that that one weight blank. I don't know if I sent that to you, you but that might be kind of fun to oh, mess man. with. Yeah. God yeah. forbid you hook anything over ten inches on that <laughs> yeah, thing, though. Yeah, but it'd make a brookie feel like <laughs> twenty inch brown. <laughs> okay, That'd so sweet. where are you gonna break yours in at? Oh man, um, you know I'll probably just go up to the cabin. Yeah. Um, that's like my, that's my bread and butter up in Boone. Okay. Um, just like being up there, fish can be big, small, and different. Don't really care. Just want to put my feet in the water. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'll probably take a trip up there, spend the weekend doing that. Um, so I think we might have a, we might have a trip planned here soon. I'm Coming not really, up. Sh- I'm not really sure. What'd you say the dates were for that? Um, May 21st, the weekend of May 21st. Yeah, yeah, so we're going up oh, to some... South Holston. Yeah, Soho, baby. Yeah, I am pumped. Yellow, yellow Sally Hatch. Yellow Sally Hatch, 3 o'clock. I've got a date. Hey, what is a Yellow Sally, by the way? <laughs> it's a bug that's yellow. Yeah, okay, so I need to bring some yellow dry flies. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. what you need to bring. Right. Sweet. I can handle that. There are popcorn flies or Yellow Sallies. Sweet. So what are your... What's your what's your dream fish, Andrew? Like, what's your end all be all goal trip? So I'm gonna break it down into two: um, saltwater fish, bar none. I want to go catch a GT giant trevally. Yeah. Those are like the angriest yeah. fish in the world. <laughs> so Why? Save up for that. <laughs> we need to save up for that. Trip. Um, I want to do conventional only because I want to catch it on an actual popper and just seeing some of the videos of those things eating a popper at Mach 15. You know. <laughs> Hitting the bait so hard, they snap a wooden bait in half. Sweet. Um, I mean, basically, I could pretty much do all of my bucket list fishing in Australia. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, dogfish. Yeah, dog, dog tooth. Dog tooth, my bad. Coral trout, which are just grouper that live in really shallow water and they're really pretty. Eat, yeah, and they occasionally eat your GT popper, and they're just as mean, and but they're tiny compared yeah. to the GT. Um, and then. There's a couple freshwater fish I'd love to catch there. Murray cod and uh, barramundi. Those Murray cod are insane. I mean, guys are walking down to little tiny creeks and throwing a frog and catching a 20-pound <laughs> freshwater Jeez. grouper because Australia is weird yeah, and has awesome. a freshwater grouper. So, you know, um, I would also like to do an Amazon trip, though, and catch a giant peacock. But the fish I want to catch down there more is uh, the wolf fish. Oh, the wolf fish. Because those things are psychotic looking. They're absolutely brutal. 
Yeah, what about you, Ben? What's on your bucket list? Short term, uh, I haven't caught a red drum on the fly yet. Okay. Um, so I'd really like to go down. That's easily like accomplished where we live. Oak Island, you know, yeah. somewhere in Charleston, something like that, and uh, try my hand at that. I mean, I've, yeah. I've gone out a few times. One, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like sight fishing. Um, and then I was on a 12-foot um, Boston Whaler. Was that the day that you texted me and you were <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, hey, man. Bless your heart. Where the hell do we catch these fish? <laughs> yeah. Um, Might just be worth it to spend the money and go with a guide on I that think, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so on my, my immediate bucket list, um, I would like to get on a really good tuna bite. Yellowfin, blackfin, bluefin don't really care. That's yeah. that's my like next Tune offshore goal. On the fly or just conventional? I mean, I'd love to do it on the fly, but I'll take a conventional. I, yeah, you know, I'm hunting, fishing. I don't care how it comes as long as it comes. Right. Um, and Giggity. then, and then probably long term, I do want to go to Australia. Like, yeah, offshore, you know, snorkel the Barrier Reef, go out after some tuna, go out after some GTs, get it done. I would also like to catch a marlin. I mean, yeah. So my my dream trip would be Costa Rica. Oh, okay. Uh, bonefish, bonefish, and oh, then up in tarpon. the mountains. Yep, tarpon. I, the, the tarpon would be awesome. But they up have, in the mountains of Costa Rica, they have some gnarly Somebody fish. put some rainbow trout up yeah, there. So and brookies. I got a quick funny story that's similar to that. Some crazy ass gringo actually did that in Baja, Mexico. Sweet. And uh, my uncle took. I used to go. My, my aunt's Mexican. I used to go down to Mexico all the time with my uncle and uh, his family. You look very Irish. Well, did you sunburn? <laughs> yeah, well, obviously. I mean, my aunt's Mexican. My uncle's not. My aunt's from Baja. So, um, but there's a place up there in the mountains, the Sierra Madre Mountains, and there's actually a rainbow trout that some crazy ass gringo took up there. He literally, I think this was in the 20s before the Depression, he uh, filled a 55 gallon drum full of water and rainbow trout and attached a, a fitting so that he could attach a bicycle pump to it periodically and pump air into it to circulate some air strapped into the backs of donkeys and stock some creeks. Wow. That's, uh, Californians are weird. They're just more gnarly than everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I believe. Yeah. But yeah. They're a little they had, different. They had to come across quite a few ranges of mountains to get there. So, um, yeah. So I think, you know, that's, that's, that's it for today. I think. Yeah. Um, Andrew, where can we find you? If somebody wanted a rod, are you open to, to, uh, building one? Yeah, I mean, there's not really a wait list or anything right now. If somebody wanted to, they could just get in touch with me. It's Othala Rodworks on Instagram. Um, this man will build whatever you want. Like, yeah. if you have some oddball dream, <laughs> he'll make it happen. Yeah, we can do some weird stuff. Um, we'll, we'll put your tag in the uh, description yeah. so they can find it. At Othala Rodworks. And, yep. uh, we'll, we'll get you there. And thanks for listening to the Boats and Does podcast.